Thank you for listening to the GSC Podcast. The following audio was recorded at the 2022 Gathered and Scattered Conference at Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Detroit, Michigan. sermon text reading comes from the book of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, next week we are going to begin a new sermon series working through Paul's letter to the Ephesians. But before we get to Ephesians, I thought it might be helpful to do one message that would really bring to closure the end of our conference for this past week and to to bring to an end the Gathered and Scattered Conference. And so we're going to be looking at the book of Hebrews. Here, Here was the goal for the conference, here is the goal for this morning, that we would have very clear categories for what is meant by the gathering and scattering of the church. Now, both those categories are are very important, so we never want to pit one against the other. They certainly are connected. The gathering flows into the scattering, but they are different theological concepts. And unless we are very clear on what is meant by both the gathering and the scattering, if we're we're fuzzy or if we're confused, then they're going to blur together, and ultimately, the mission of the church will be compromised. We will not gather very well, nor will we be scattered effectively. You see, it's a a very good impulse that Christians have to want the city of Detroit transformed. That that is a very good impulse. And so the last thing we want you to hear is that we are not trying to do good in the city. In whatever way God has called you in life, We want to fill you up so deeply and so profoundly with the gospel of grace that you are compelled to go into the city to do good. I think of Amish people. They're they're, they're afraid of the culture. They don't want to interact with the city. And so they, they run away and they remove themselves from the culture. Jesus is very clear in this Sermon on the Mount that we are called to be salt and light, that we're called to be a city on a hill, that we are compelled by Jesus to go into the culture and we are to do good. We want you to be scattered this upcoming week doing good things for Jesus in the name of the city. 
That, that's what we want. That, that's the goal of the conference. That's the goal for the sermon. That ought to be the good goal of your life. You ought to be serving Jesus in whatever way God has called you to, and to do that really, really well. And yet there is one main problem. We lose sight of all that God has done for us in Christ. We run very low on his presence. We run low on his grace. We forget the upward prize to which we have been called. And so we aren't actually doing that much good in the city. And so we're we're, we're dinking around and we are not maximizing what God has called us to do. And so we need to be reoriented every Sunday by God for what we are called to do. To use our conference language, it is the weekly gathering of God's people that gives us the gospel fuel to be effectively scattered throughout the week. I mentioned that our text for this morning is from the book of Hebrews, which is one of the richest books in all the Bible connecting the Old Testament to the noon. So many people describe Hebrews as the commentary on the book of Leviticus in specific. Now, there, there's a lot of very confusing things in Leviticus. There's even some confusing things in Hebrews. We are not going to be able to unpack everything that is in the text before us this morning. But you read through Leviticus, there's all kinds of laws and regulations and rules and measurements, and, and so much of it just feels so foreign to us, perhaps even odd to us. But what we learn in the book of Hebrews is that all the specifics that we see in Leviticus finds its answer in Jesus Christ. We actually read in Hebrews chapter 10 at the very beginning of verse 1 that everything in the law finds its substance in Christ. The law is a shadow, but the substance is Christ. So it's not like a shadow is useless. There are some things that you can learn from a shadow. If you were looking at my shadow, you could probably figure out that I'm about five foot ten. You could make a guess on how much I weigh. If you're looking at the shadow of a cow, you could tell that John and a cow have different outlines. So a shadow does tell us something, but of course, shadows are, are very blurry. They're very fuzzy. They they give you a very vague outline, but shadows do not allow you to see the specifics. So that's Leviticus in relationship to Jesus Christ. Leviticus is the shadow of Christ who is to come. Now, in the Old Testament, you have these shadows, and the center of this very shadowy religious system is the sacrifice this idea of sacrifice. If you go through Leviticus, there are a number of different sacrifices, but surrounding each one of these different sacrifices that were done for different reasons, there is always a specific law that needed to be followed. So it's not as though, you know, an Israelite college student to just say like, hey, I feel like doing a, you know, a a sacrifice tonight in my mud hut dorm room. Just, you know, get my buddies together and we'll drink some Mountain Dew and do a sacrifice. No, there was always a service surrounding the sacrifice. There needed to be an ordained priest that was following God's word about the specifics for what this service would look like. The center was the sacrifice. Surrounding the sacrifice was a service. And of course, 
The highest of the sacrifices was when once a year the high priest would enter into the holy of holies, and that is what is Hebrews, Hebrews 10 is in reference to. And in all of that, that whole system, sacrifice in the middle, surrounded by a religious service, all of that is a shadow pointing towards what is going to happen in the new covenant with Jesus Christ. See, in verse 19, that we can now enter into God's presence, not by the sacrifice of a lamb, but by the true lamb of God, through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Leads to verse 20, that there is no longer a physical curtain that we need to remove, but that we can enter into the temple by faith. And the temple is no longer a physical building, but we can actually enter into the life of Jesus, who is the temple, that we can enter into Jesus by faith. Verse 21, we see that Jesus is the sacrificial lamb, but Jesus is also the high priest over this service. That as we come into this temple, as we come to this service, that Jesus is the one who calls us and Jesus is sprinkling us with his blood. Blood is life. The blood of Jesus was shed. He died so that we might live. We get his life credited to us. His life was given so that we might live because that we are, we're now clean. His blood cleanses us and makes us right, takes away our sin, takes away our shame. This is all the hope of the gospel. The, the, the shadows of the Old Testament are now found in the substance of Christ. This is the mystery that we pronounce every single Sunday, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. And that message is what you need in life to do good. If you want to do good in life, you need to hear that announcement on a regular basis. That announcement, it's news. It's not advice. It's what Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones makes so wonderfully clear. The gospel is different than advice. News and advice are very different. You turn on the cable news at nighttime, and you are looking at fixed events. The queen died. You, you can't change that. That's not advice. That is fixed in history. You respond to it, but it is fixed. Religious news is very different than religious advice. Advice is not fixed in history. Advice is something that you can do to, to fix up your marriage, to fix up your finances. The gospel is news about what God has done in Christ. And this is not just cable news. This is the best news of all time. The news that your eternal destination is fixed. You know where you're going. Your sin has been defeated. Your shame has been covered. It is fixed in Jesus Christ. And you need to hear that news all the time if you want to be compelled to do good in the world. It's verse 23, that we are to hold fast to this news without wavering. Cling to it. Don't doubt it. Pray it into your soul. Internalize it. You need to cling to this news without wavering. But here's the reality. None of us have unwavering faith. We doubt it. Like the great hymn says, we are prone to wondering, Lord, we do in fact feel it. We forget the news. We forget how clean we are. We forget where we are headed. We are bogged down by our sin. We are bogged down by our shame. And therefore, 
God in his great wisdom has given us services of worship. In the same way that in the Old Testament there was a service that surrounded the sacrifice in the center, so should there be a more substantive service today. Now, of course, there's going to be no sacrifices in a service today. We don't need any more lamb slaughter. We don't need any more blood of goats sprinkled upon us. The sacrifice of Jesus, once and for all, that was enough. We, we don't need shadowy sacrifices anymore. But New Testament services are, are the substance of what those shadows used to be showing us. They're aimed at helping us remember what Jesus has done, at helping us be reminded of Jesus as the final sacrifice. In verse 23, these services that are aimed at our unwavering faith are pointing to what we would call going to church. So aren't just gathering together for coffee or getting together for your small group. And in verse 25, look at that with me. It says, do not neglect meeting together. I think most people read that and think, well, as long as I am with one other Christian, you know, after class, going to Starbucks and we're, we're going to pray together. That, 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 that's meeting together. I should not give up meeting together. Or we just had our small group leaders up in front of us. I should not skip out on my small group. I want to be clear. We, we, we just had our small group leaders up here. We want you to go to a small group. And we want you to get coffee with your friends, to pray and have accountability. Those are all great things. Your Christian discipleship includes doing life together. But verse 25, considering that it's based off services in the book of Leviticus, verse 25 is talking specifically about not neglecting to meet together in new covenant worship. We might say this is just talking about going to church. And you see what happens, that as people come together, this is verse 24, as God's people come together, you are reminded of the gospel, you are reminded of the sacrifice of Jesus, therefore you're filled up in Jesus, and we spur one another on towards love and good works. But here's what happens, verse 25, there are some people that are in the habit of skipping church. This is a habit in the time of the apostles, it is certainly a habit that we have not yet overcome. As you know, church attendance across the country is, is, is down. I suppose we can take some solace in knowing that this is not a new problem. This was a problem that happened during the time that the Bible was written. It's a problem that God's people have always had. You forget what happens on Sunday morning, and therefore we are prone to neglecting it. But notice what happens. If you follow the clear logic of this section, you, you see what happens when you skip church? If you skip out on the gathering, the coming together for worship, it will mean that you are utterly useless when it comes to your effectiveness of being scattered throughout the week. As you come together, as we come together to worship Jesus, as we hear sermons, and as we sing songs, and as we confess our sins, and as we pray, and as we partake in the sacraments, we're, we're stirred up 
for love and good works, meaning that if you are not coming here and partake to sing and confess, you're not going to be stirred, meaning you're not going to be sent out effectively into the world. When I originally planned this sermon six months ago, I planned on preaching from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. I thought that would be a great way as a, a capstone message for the Gathered and Scattered Conference. And then Demiron and I decided to preach through the book of Ephesians and uh, didn't think it'd be very helpful to, to do this same sermon, sermon twice in a month. And so I switched at the last minute to Hebrews. But here, here's what Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 says. Paul writes, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not the result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What Paul is saying is you're you're saved by grace. You're saved based on the merits of Jesus on the cross. There is nothing that you can do to add to it. There is nothing that you can do to take away from it, no matter how effective or ineffective you are in this city. That that does not take away from the reality that you are saved by grace. God has saved you in Christ on the cross. But what we see in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 is not that you are saved for, for no reason. It, it's not just that you are saved from, not, from judgment and now you're neutral. What Paul is saying is that you are saved from judgment and you are now saved to a life of good works. You, you're saved to do good. God has a plan for you and God has saved you so that you might fulfill that plan. There are good works. God, who is so smart, infinitely smart, God has works that He has planned for you to do this week. So Monday morning, when you go into the office and you punch in your your time card, there are already things that God has planned for you to live into, things for you to do. And that grace that saved you from judgment is the grace that compels you to do a life of good in this city this week. I think we we all just immediately think, oh, that means I should be evangelistic. Absolutely, you should be evangelistic. You should be using your words to testify to the goodness of Jesus for what He has done for you. But it's, it's also bigger than just evangelism. It's about living a life of service, a life out of love for God and love for neighbor. You see, the the, the mission of the church when we come together on Sunday morning, our mission this morning is not to transform the city, it is not to transform business or politics or education. The mission of the church on Sunday morning is to build people up in the faith. But when the mission is clear, when God's people gather around by word and sacrament, when that mission is clear and people are meeting God and gathered worship, there ought to be a broader impact in the culture. That if you are an engineer, you're going to work really hard as an engineer out of love for God and love for neighbor that you are going to build cars that are effective. What a service it is. 
that we have people that can build cars to get us from one place to another efficiently. What a, a blessing it is that we have engineers that work really hard so that when we drive our cars on bridges, they don't collapse and we die. That is a genuine service out of love for God and love for neighbor. Praise God that there are engineers that build safe bridges. For godly politicians that out of love for God and love for neighbor are trying to reform laws to make our system more fair and just and moral. Praise God for for people that are compelled by the gospel to go to think tanks, to think about ideals on, on poverty and teachers that are wanting to serve kids or medical workers that are providing healing. As we are scattered throughout the week, we are scattered to bring Christ into any sphere into which we are called. As we are scattered, God intentionally wants us to be scattered, yes, to testify to the goodness of the gospel, but also to do good works. There is no category in the Bible for the type of Christian who is saved but not doing anything good. When you truly internalize all that God has done for you in Christ, when you understand your destination, you understand that your sin has been taken care of, that your shame has been cleansed, it will compel you to a life of sacrifice and good throughout the week. If you were at the conference, Kevin mentioned on Friday night that he has written a new book. It will come out in a few months. And the reason that he wrote this book is, is Kevin feels a burden for Christians that are faithful and still feeling really guilty. So the title of his book is Impossible Christianity. Why following Jesus does not mean you have to change the world, be an expert in everything, accept spiritual failure, and feel miserable pretty much all the time. And I think that's a really helpful topic. Because the last thing I want you to hear in a message like this about doing good in the city is that Oh man, here's, here's, here's another sermon. I need to be a missionary. I need to be given more money. I need to be also the church janitor. I also need to be volunteering in the soup kitchen. And even if I'm doing all five of those things, I'm still not faithful and I still feel like I am being complacent in my life. That, that, that's not helpful. We need to have categories for Christians that are living the quiet, humble life of sacrifice. And God is pleased with that. And so this message of being scattered to do good is not necessarily about adding more to your calendar. It's not about just adding more events to your already very busy life. What this sermon is about is taking what God has already put in your life as a parent, as an engineer, as a college student, as a medical worker, taking what God has already called you to and then doing that with intentional gospel focus. Where have you been called, and how can you use that calling for God's good? Don't add anything more, but just take what you are already doing and use that with an intentional gospel mindset. But again, the, 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 the problem is that we forget the gospel. So we are compelled to go into the city scattered to do good, and yet we forget the gospel, and therefore most of our time throughout the week as we are scattered, we are rather ineffective. And therefore we need to keep the mission of what happens on Sunday morning, the mission of the gathered church, 
We need to t- keep it hyper-focused. We've got to keep a lot of other things out on Sunday morning. We need to be hyper-focused so that we can hear from God, so that we have the fuel to go out throughout the week. Think of gathered worship, what we are doing right here on Sunday morning. Think of gathered worship as eating a meal. So throughout your life, you have eaten thousands of meals. You have had food three times a day, seven days a week. And so you have had a lot of different meals. 99.9% of the meals that you have taken in, you have no recollection of. You might, if I asked, you probably would remember what you had for dinner last night, but beyond that, you probably don't even remember what you had this past week. There are likely some other very special meals that you might remember, an anniversary date, or I remember when I was uh, growing up, my mom would make me barbecue chicken on my birthday, or you might remember a a Thanksgiving dinner or a Christmas morning breakfast. There, There are a few meals that you probably remember, but the vast majority you do not. That's okay. The, the, the purpose of a meal is not to feed you forever, but to feed you for the day. That's what Sunday morning is about. It's not to give you the Thanksgiving dinner every single Sunday so that you would eat once a year and have the sustainment that you need to to live through that entire year. No, it's about coming consistently. It's about coming on a regular basis, about being fed in very ordinary ways so that you would have the spiritual nourishment you need for the upcoming week. You, You don't eat one meal for a decade. No, you eat for that day in the same way you eat every Sunday morning for the week. Don't expect every single Sunday morning to be the Thanksgiving dinner. No, it most times, and I probably feel this more than most as the preacher, most meals are probably going to be very ordinary and somewhat bland, but it'll still give you the nourishment you need for the week. That's church. That's the mission of God's gathered people on Sunday morning, to be fed in very ordinary ways so that we have the gospel nourishment so that we might do good throughout the week. See, many people understand church in just all, all the wrong ways. They, they, they hear verses like this, Hebrews chapter 10, about not giving up, uh, meeting together. And people think, oh, that's, here we go again, pastor. It's God just trying to ruin my weekends. God's against football. I want to sleep in. God wants me to be miserable. God just always has arbitrary rules to make my life more miserable. Many people are suspicious of God, and so they think anything that God says is against us. Especially when we talk about not skipping church, people think that's just arbitrary and mean-spirited of God. But that's not what God is saying when He says, come to church. God is not trying to take away from you on Sunday morning. God is actually trying to bless you. Maybe I'm a, a... maybe a weird kid, but when I was growing up, there was often a number of times when I was having so much fun with my friends that I would forget to eat lunch or dinner. So my mom would say, John, just, just remember, if, if you want to have energy, you need to come home and eat. And so sometimes she would actually have to call the neighbors or call me in from the football game to make sure I had a sandwich. 
Now, in, in that moment, when my mom is reminded me to eat, was my mom, you know, just really against me and trying to make my life miserable, and she's trying to make me into a legalist, you know, that just has to eat three times a day? Or was my mom trying to give me the nourishment that I needed so that I might actually have more fun when I am playing with my friends? Answers, of course. She, she, she's trying to bless me. She's trying to do what is best for me. That is what God is saying on Sunday morning. He's not trying to take away from your weekend. He said, I'm trying to give you the food you need so that you might be effective throughout the week. God wants your life to count Monday through Saturday. God wants to use you. God wants you to do good things. God wants you to be effective in politics and serving the poor. And God wants you to be effective in the medical field and as a teacher and as a stay-at-home mom. God wants you to be effective as a college student. Therefore, God says, come to church and I'll fill you up. I'm going to give you a word. I'm going to give you a sermon. And I'm going to invite you to my table where I'm going to meet with you spiritually. And I'm going to give you Bible verses, and I'm going to give you a time to confess your sins so that you would be reminded of Jesus. Come to church so that I might fill you up so that you might be sent out well. You are made to do good. You're made to do good in the city. All people know this, and this is why so many people are just clinging to a cause. Everyone's dreaming, be an advocate, do something, but it all feels very arbitrary but it's a good impulse. We all know deep down inside of us that we are made for good. And what Sunday morning does is that it reorients you to what that good is. The mission of the gathered church is not the transformation of the city. The mission of the gathered church is to build one another up in the faith, the effect of which will be the transformation of the city. There's a very big difference between the mission and the effect of the mission. The mission of an apple farmer is to have trees be healthy. His mission is to water and to give fertilizer to the trees. The effect of that mission will be apples blossoming on the trees. But he needs to focus on the health of the trees first. The mission of the gathered church each Sunday morning is to give us the spiritual water and fertilizer that we need so that we might grow and bear fruit throughout the week. But we should never be confused between the effect and the mission. Because if you confuse it, then both are going to be lost. The gathering of God's people for worship, which began in a very shadowy form in the Old Testament, is now found in the substance of Christ. The gathering is the mission but the result ought to be, will be, effective scattering in the city. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have given clarity to us in these areas. And Lord, I pray for Redeemer. I pray that you would keep us on track. I pray that you would remind us of the importance of what a healthy church looks like. Thank you that you would, in the coming years, keep us centered on what you are doing every Sunday morning. And then we certainly pray that as we leave church every Sunday and as we are scattered throughout the week, I pray that every single Redeemer person 
would be committed to the city and doing good and serving the poor and going into politics and going into education and going into the medical field. And as college students, they would go to their campus. Oh, Father, I pray that every single person would be effectively scattered. So fill us now and fill us in the coming Sunday so that we might be effective throughout the week. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope and pray this content was encouraging for you. For more information about our annual conference, visit us online at RedeemerDetroit.com.